0: From Genesis in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. From the Papal Vuh, or the council book from the Mayans. Now it still ripples. Now it still murmurs, still sighs and is empty under the sky. There's not yet one person, not one animal, bird, fish, or tree. There is only the sky alone. The face of Earth is not clear. Only the sea alone is pooled under all the sky. Whatever might be is simply not there. There were makers in the sea. There were makers in the sky. Together, these makers planned the dawn of life. From the Sierra people of West Africa, referencing the first words their supreme being, Rūg spoke. Water, air, earth. The words leap into space. He carried the sea on his head, the firmament on his shoulders, the earth in his hands. Everything, all life, every species, culture, family, person, came from somewhere. You can trace everything backward in time. And that's what we'll be trying to do as we explore our theme, Roots, on this episode of Wake Up Call. I'm your host, David Allen Moss. Thanks for joining us.
1: you really can't ask for much more than that can you people check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com a proud member of the evergreen podcast network
0: hi i'm thomas fox with creative mornings cleveland we're thrilled to have evergreen podcasts on board as our official podcast partner Evergreen Podcasts is committed to producing the best original content and engaging shows. Right now, you're listening to Wake Up Call, recorded on location at the monthly Creative Mornings lecture series. Enjoy. First up, I spoke with Sean McCreary, a lifelong writer, producer, and creative. You've mentioned you worked for Hallmark. I did, I
2: worked for Hallmark Channel for 14 years. Before that, Stars Encore in Denver, and I started here at Channel 19 when it was in Shaker Square.
0: Did you start out, like, with this this dream, like going back to your family history? Oh. Did you guys, like, make, like, home movies? Did You
2: You know, I had, my dad had uh, one of those big reel-to-reel tape decks, and I used to play with that all the time. And, and my buddy uh, and I, when we were little kids, we used to play radio, like we had a radio show on it. You had a way to, you we had play, mics? Yeah, we had, well, yes, we had a mic on these big, 60s plastic mic, and we would play KISS
0: records and be DJs. See, we just went back. We're in the wake-up call time machine today.
2: Mid-70s.
0: It's interesting to look back at your childhood and recount the innate inner workings of a future talent or career. To go back and find the beginnings of your passion, the roots of what lights you up inside, can be really rewarding. But let's now talk about, since we're back with your family and your dad, with this real to reel what, what's your heritage? What cultural, is it a town you lived in? What, what jumps out for you?
2: The most interesting thing of my heritage is on my mom's side, they came over on the Mayflower. William Brewster, I'm a Way direct descendant of William Brewster, so look it up in the history book.
0: We had no idea we had such a gem Yeah, apparently, with us today. Apparently yeah. he was an important guy Things happen for in a history, reason. William Brewster. Yeah. William, he was a pilgrim? He was a Pilgrim, yeah.
2: Yeah, he was um, came over.
0: Would it be something if you could find his shoes? Okay, so Sean may not have been able to find a really cool pair of Pilgrim shoes, but what he does have is a family thread to the birth of America. I asked him what impact that's had on his life. Is it something that defines him or just a fun fact?
2: It was a little factoid, actually, especially when you're a kid, you learn about the pilgrims and your grandmother can't wait to tell you, guess what? You know, they tell you the story. But over the course of time, I've met and found out there's a ton of people descendant of William Brewster. I have two friends who are also descendants of William Brewster, who apparently I'm related to, and um, I think Bing Crosby is also a descendant of William Brewster. So
0: you're related to Bing Crosby?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have no royalties, unfortunately. I get no mileage out of that and no no revenue, no royalties.
0: Having family roots that stem from the Mayflower and a link to the great Bing Crosby must be a blast to talk about at holiday parties. And we continued on this quest to get to the bottom of things with our next guest, Lisa Sands of Edible Cleveland. We had a little fun foodie talk, including the origins of pizza, Our director of audio, Dave Douglas, chimed in here too. After all, it is pizza we're talking about here. The next presentation will be the origins of pizza. Cool. <gasps> oh. When was the first pizza?
3: We could have a debate Who about knows? maybe, what, if, is there good pizza in Cleveland? We could have that debate. No oh well
0: Oh uh, Well, there is.
3: Well, we know. And salted dough. And crust. And crust. And, crust. and Citizen Pie in Vero. I know Zero. the formula is a baguette like crust. crust.
0: I also like Edison's.
3: You know, there's just- a little just more
0: straight up, like, their thing. They actually like
3: have a certain number of um, pepperoni slices that they go for on their pizza. Like there's an actual number. Like when, do you know how it's Is like, it a
0: lot? You gotta be a pepperoni fan.
3: It's true. I, I mean, like you pepperoni. Can, you can get vegetables there too. But like you go there when you want the sort of slightly grease laden wall to wall pepperoni situation. That's yeah. when you go to yeah. Edison's.
0: Pretty fantastic. There's a reason why Lisa has an affinity for food. Unlike Sean, From the hallmark channel who spent his childhood steeped in radio and tv lisa's childhood incurred a lack of food thereby she embarked on a departure from her childhood roots
3: i grew up in a very boring white bread ground beef family we didn't eat a lot of interesting things Uh, a lot of it had to do with the economy my dad was a teacher my mom didn't work life yeah, life was uh, different then. Um, we didn't, eating out was not a hobby, as it is now. It wasn't this thing that you took pictures of and, you know, made into uh, this, you know, ri- ridiculously awesome and also curious passion, I guess. Uh, ho- you know, again, another hobby. Not everybody shares that experience, as we know.
0: The whole foodie thing. F- f- the foodie
3: thing, yeah. It's, it's great, but there's, you know, I think there's a little bit of a dark side to it, too, because... You know, what we try to do at Edible Cleveland is, you know, we like pretty food and great plating and and beautiful Instagram streams, but the fact is, like, we like to take the story behind those uh, to the people, to the things, to the the struggle, to the hard work, the controversy, all of that is behind the pretty photo. Um, But I love good food too, so I mean.
0: The origins of our food, this is so brilliant. This piqued my interest so much so, that I immediately went to Edible Cleveland's website and read the first story I saw. It was a story about milk and cookies. The cover image rendered a mouthwatering snapshot of soft, gooey chocolate chip cookies and an overflowing mug of creamy, frothy milk. And the stories of Ohio's women dairy farmers caught my eye. Click! It was here I learned about the struggles and triumphs of a local dairy farmer. Really illuminating. I appreciated the story in this interview with Lisa Sands. Now we're going to turn to our guest lecturer, Patricia Princehouse. She's the Associate Director of the Institute for the Science of Origins and the Director of Case Western Reserve University's program in Evolutionary Biology. She knows a thing or two about roots.
4: So I started doing, like, paleontology and archaeology here in Ohio, in southern Ohio. So there's field study Um, here in Ohio. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. uh, With the Dayton Museum of Natural History. Wow. I took, like, every course that they offered, right? Um, And uh, that I actually didn't realize that it was something that you could take in school. Because kids, like, aren't allowed to have evolution and archaeology and anthropology yeah, in school yeah. right, right, you right, know? right so now I've been to Africa I have a site in Africa that's quite a bit older than these 25 million years old. And uh, I've been to Mongolia hunting dinosaurs with the uh, Cleveland Museum of Natural History dinosaur paleontologist. We took students a few years ago. Um, Yeah, and of course for me it's this horse culture. I'd always wanted to go to Mongolia from the other side of my you know interests, whatever. So I got to ride Mongolian horses. um, Oh wow!
0: I could listen to her speak for hours, but for now let's just get a peanut shell version of the Earth's roots according to this wise sage.
4: If you want to really ramp this up, uh, again, my, my advisor, Steve Gould, uh, he says, okay, if you start the tape of life, right, at, the, you know, three, four billion years ago with single-celled organisms, um, you know, first of all, if you had the earth before, then would, there even, would they even arise? Would life arise? It wasn't necessarily preordained, right? It is, he would argue, a contingent fact of history, right? right? And so once you have life, you know, we've still got bacteria. It's bacteria all the way down, right? I mean, this is, this is the, the modal organism, as you used to call it, right? And so once you get uh, uh, that sort of thing, you, you had that for two billion years. You had just sort of bacteria and, and, and yeah. blue-green algae and things like that. You finally, uh, for sort of quirky reasons, got cells with nuclei. Uh, and you got mitochondria because you had a number of these different kinds of bacteria and other things coming together to form these symbionts that then became you know obligate symbionts right that they worked together only and that 's how you got the nucleated cell from there though it, it sits around for another billion and a half years or so yeah. <laughs> before you get multicellular organisms and you start to get you know, tissues and, and, and animals and things, plants well, and animals, it's really quite recent. So the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, and we're only half a billion. Animals are only half a billion, right? So one-ninth of the history of the Earth.
0: We, as humans, are just a glimpse. Famed astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson explains it like this. If you put the life of the universe on a calendar, humans would arrive at 11.59 p.m., on December 31st. Patricia goes on to offer an analogy with the help of Mark Twain.
4: In fact, uh, Mark Twain said, okay, you know, you can tell that the history of, of life and the earth is it was heading toward us all all the way along because, you know, if you look at like the Eiffel Tower and all the history of the earth is up to that, you know, we're, uh, uh, we're that like tiny skin of paint on the top and you can tell that it was all going toward that skin of yeah. paint.
0: If this doesn't put things into perspective, I I don't know what would. Mind-blowing stuff. But I asked Patricia to take things from a macro scale down to a micro perspective. How does this impact me? How can I practically apply this wisdom?
4: Individual human beings go through this life just once, so far as we know, right? And if their lives are thwarted by a stricture imposed from outside, but falsely identified as lying within, they never get another chance right that's that's the tragedy, and when people don't get opportunities
0: yeah
4: or they're channeled into something that's less suited to what they could do, that's the tragedy and so you know I think that um, uh, Science can't sort of dictate how we should live, right? That's the realm of ethics and a lot of other things, but it can inform some of our decisions. And so I try, at least in in my own way, to bring science to the public so that they have at least the opportunity to understand some of these things like I was talking about today.
0: Patricia's take on a more intellectual version of YOLO is spot on. We're just a speck of sand on the beach of life. If you don't do what you're meant to do in the time you were given, That's the tragedy of life. Charles Darwin published The Origin of Species 150 years ago, in which he famously contributed his survival of the fittest theory to human evolution. Only the strong survive. But in his 828-page sequel, The Descent of Man, he gives us a different perspective on human evolution. Darwin writes only twice of Survival of the Fittest, but 95 times of love. He writes of selfishness 12 times, but 92 times of moral sensitivity. He says the word competition nine times, but 24 times he points to mutual respect. And though each of us are only here for but a speck of time, our cosmic fingerprints will forever be ingrained in the world around us, in the universe. The book is never closed. You can always look back and discover more and more about your roots, the beginnings of you. And someday, someone will look back and you'll be in their story. I would say the end, but it never really is. Wake Up Call is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer and audio director Dave Douglas, story editor Julie Fink, and account manager Connor Standish. Thanks to 2Bob Crew for the use of their song, Rooster, available on iTunes. If you'd please like and review this program, it would really help. Learn more about this and other podcasts from Evergreen at evergreenpodcasts.com. Wake Up Call, Ideas That Crow.
1: Science, 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 science,
4: science. science.
1: Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual, all to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts, the Mad Scientist
3: Podcast. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.